if you could create the life that you've always wanted and to actually be happy on a daily basis, it seems so foreign for most of us, right? What, what is it that you would like to do? Coming up in a couple minutes, Steve Olsher is back with us, the author of the book, What is Your What? Discover the one amazing thing you were born to do. And once you do that, of course, you would be happy on a regular basis. Welcome aboard, gang. We'll get with Steve in a couple minutes. Of course, you're tuned in to America's Positive Radio talk show, David Essel Alive, celebrating 22 years on the air right now on XM 246. And, of course, we stream worldwide at talkdavid.com. Proud to be part of the premier radio network broadcasting out of Studio E in Los Angeles, California with Nathan and Tricia every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. And coming up October 19th, we are also going to join the iHeart Family Network with its 40 million listeners. Very excited about that, too. So huge expansion going on right now. 1-800, our toll-free number, 1-800-548-8255. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about, oh my gosh, we have some huge relationship stuff going down, and a stepmom. We've got this massive issue, stepmom, stepdads, a lot of times feeling underappreciated, not knowing their role, unsure of their role. And we have a stepmom that we're going to be talking about an issue that she's challenged by with discipline. Uh, trying to discipline her stepchildren and not getting the support from her husband. It has turned out to be a nightmare. We'll talk to you about that. Get your help as well. Again, our toll-free number, 1-800-548-8255. Steve Ulsher, author of the book, What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do. Known as Americans' reinvention expert, has been on over 300 radio shows, including Lou Dobbs and Jim Bohannon. Steve, welcome back to the show. Hey, my man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good, good, good. You know, Jim Bohannon and I were on the same network. Well, he's been there a lot longer, but I was with him for 10 years. What a great guy. Yeah, man, good uh, good guy. And uh, I think at this point, though, he's uh, he's trying to play catch-up to you, man. How about that expansion? That's got to be pretty exciting. Oh, it really is. You know, to be able to jump over to something that is um, that, that has grown so fast. Steve, no one in the world of radio would have imagined that iHeart would already be at 40 million listeners. Never mm. in a thousand no. years. You know, they, 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 when, when they came out with that app, people were downplaying. That's not where talk radio is going. And now everyone is scrambling to be a part of it. So it's pretty cool. Thank you. Absolutely. Congrats. Yeah, yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. I, I wanted to start off because I, the, the name of your book has got to grab attention. What is your what? What is the major reason, Steve, that you think most people don't experience the happiness in life that they absolutely want? Well, I really do think it goes right back to the question that is the title of the book which is what is your what? And I strongly believe that when you take a look at where most people are, as they just kind of meander through life, pounding away at the keyboard, killing time before the 5 o'clock whistle, it's, it's as simple as answering that just incredibly crucial question of why are you here, what is it that you're compelled to do, and how are you naturally wired to excel? And, and I think that most people, unfortunately, go through life without ever being able to answer that question. And that, in fact, prevents most people from becoming the fulfilled, happy, contributing type of person that we are all meant to be. 
Steve, do you think that 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 introspective question, why are you here? We'll just start with that right there. Why are you here? And I, I do not mean this to sound condescending. Is is that too? Does it take too much work and effort to sit and ask that question? Just versus looking out and following what your mom and dad wanted you to do, or what your spouse wants you to do. In other words, is it easier to be a follower than to sit and take the time to be introspective? Could that be a big block here? It is, and I'll I'll put it to you in slightly different terms. I believe that it is incredibly easy to be a critic, and it is incredibly difficult to be a creator. And mm. most people go through life as critics, and seldom will put themselves out as a creator. I mean, hell, people are critics right now. They're they're critics on the name of of my new book. They're they're critics about the the guests you have on. They're they're critics about whether or not, you know, this, this whole personal development thing is even just, I mean, is it is it for real? And right. most people will never put something forth for the world to judge because, frankly, they're afraid to. And that's right. just, it's no one's fault. It's just the way of our teaching. And unfortunately, it's the way of our society where we're consumers and not creators. And I look at the story that we that many people have often said, the Walt Disney seven bankruptcies before he finally made it. There was a guy that didn't really care what others thought. He was going to continue to find what his what was and pursue it, even if it meant rejection and failure. And that's the biggest part of the of the process here is, is you just have to be comfortable with the whole concept of failure, because. Reality for me is that failure is really just it's success with an unintended ending. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, <laughs> wait a minute, Steve. About... Steve, say say that again. Okay, so the definition of failure is success with an unintended ending. <laughs> <laughs> I love I mean, that. Right? I mean, that's that is the God's honest truth. Is it just because yes. things don't go as planned doesn't mean that you're a Failure, it just simply means <laughs> that you didn't have the ending that you had in mind. And so, yeah, man, we've got to become a heck of a lot more comfortable with being willing to fail. And, you know, we can talk about my acronym for fear, too, which plays into this, which is forget everything about reality. Because the truth is things will never go as good as you hope or as badly as you think they might. It's always going to be somewhere kind of right yeah. in the middle but fear drives people, man. It's like it's so hard to get past that perceived safety net, which in reality is an illusion. And and ladies and gentlemen, as we're talking here, we're talking about your purpose in life, but also remember the fear in relationship, the fear that people create in relationships to move forward, the fear people create in going to the gym and moving forward. Right, Steve? I mean, this this fear thing is encompassing every aspect of someone's life, not just what their purpose is. Well, it's absolutely a theme that you'll find. And, and if, you, if you look at someone who is out there, what you might call living the dream, where they're getting paid extraordinarily well for something that doesn't really look like work, odds are really good that that same type of fearless mentality, where they're just out there doing it, trying it, giving it their all, moves across the entire uh, spectrum of of their lives act, uh, right. activities, whether it be their relationships or or their willingness to jump out of a plane or their willingness to to fall in love or I mean whatever it might be, 
it absolutely does seem to run the spectrum. How does one discover their what? So the name of your book, What Is Your What? How do we discover what our what is, our purpose, our destiny, why we're here, what we're compelled to do? How do you do that? Well, there's three different sets of three pieces. And I I don't want this to get confused. Let me just kind of clarify first. The first set of three is is your what is comprised of your gifts. Okay, so you've got your inherent gifts. Those are the things that come most naturally to you. For you, your inherent gift, David, is probably communication, right? I mean, it's just right. it's, it's something that you love to do. The second right. piece, then, is is the vehicle that you use to share those gifts with the world. So in this case, your vehicle would then be radio. And mm-hmm. the third piece of the puzzle are the people that you're most compelled to serve. And it's the combination of those three pieces that make up the equation of what is your what, and that's really, so it's not just, you know, it's not just your passion or your destiny or this, that, and the other. I mean, there are very distinct pieces that you have to have in place. So that's, that's one set of three, and I don't want that to, to get confused here with how people can get started with discovering their what. So that being said, the first thing that people can do is grant yourself time, grant yourself permission to discover what your what is. You know, we got to, I mean, think about it, David. When we go through this life just moving and grooving and, and just we never slow down to really huh. take inventory on who we are and what yes. it is that we are naturally wired to excel at. And so whether it's meditation or a walk in the park or like me, if you're a nutcase and you find Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to be therapeutic, then, you know, try <laughs> that. But right. whatever it is for you that you find to be therapeutic, start doing it and grant yourself that time and grant yourself that permission. So that's, that's one of the three ways. All right, Steve, I'm going to ask you to hold there. We're going to go to a quick break and come back with Steve Olsher, author of the book, What Is Your What? And as a matter of fact, his website shouldn't surprise you. Whatisyourwhat.com. Check it out right now. Whatisyourwhat.com. What are you here? Why are you here? What are you compelled to do to create that happiness and success that you want? We'll be back with Steve in a minute. You're tuned in to America's positive radio talk show, David Essel Alive. Our website, talkdavid.com. Stay right there. You're tuned into America's Positive Radio Talk Show. David Essel alive. Welcome aboard my guest, Steve Olsher, author of the book, What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do. Steve, just before the break, we were talking about step one, take time to discover what our what is. Meditation, nature, in your case, some kind of wild martial arts stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a blast. (laughs) Um, What's step two? Yeah, and uh, and just kind of going back to one for a second here. You know, it's also yeah. about just uh, you know really granting yourself that permission and just saying you know hey it's it's it, it's okay. <laughs> you know, a lot of people just kind of go through life without ever really granting themselves permission to say there is something more out there for me. Mm. So make sure you understand that it's okay to go down this path, which kind of brings you then to number two, which is you may have to get yourself out of denial about what your what really is because I do believe that. Yeah, you know, life just is a, it's a, it can be a real mother, <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, literally and figuratively, where yes. you, you got your mother telling you what it is that you should be doing, and you got your father telling you what it is that you have to do, and you got yourself 
screaming, you know, your soul is like just yelling at you, just saying, hey, what the heck are you doing? I mean, this is not at all where you should be what you should be doing. We spend a lifetime in denial. We say we don't have the knowledge, we don't have the time, we don't have the money, people won't approve. How in the heck am I going to start over now? I'm 45 years old, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So right. you, you may just have to get yourself out of denial, which can be such a bear for, for so many of us. Absolutely. And three. And so number three is you, you may have to go farther back in your life to reconnect with what your what is, because I do believe that at some point in our lives we've all been connected with what our what is. But life happens, and it really can throw you way off course. I mean, for instance, maybe when you were young, you loved to paint. And so you had a favorite color, and it was blue, and all your paint was blue. Well, mm. your mama had a favorite color, too, and her favorite color was white. And so her prior, you know, her prized carpet was white. And one day when you were painting, <laughs> that blue paint hit the white carpet. You know, and it wasn't like this Reese's peanut butter cup moment of chocolate meat and peanut butter, and everybody's happy. You know, when right. the blue paint hit the white carpet, you got yelled at. And you yeah. buried it to the nether regions, never to be heard from by anyone, including you, ever again. So you may have to just go back farther in your life to reconnect with what your what truly is. If someone were to follow these steps, Steve, take, take the time, get out of denial, go back and look at what it was that inspired you in your younger years – is there like a, a, an amount of time that you'd say, give yourself 30, 60, 90 days, give yourself six months to find out what your what is? Well, I mean, look, reality is that you can go through the book, What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do, which, by the way, thanks for pointing out the site at whatisyourwhat.com, because people can actually grab a free hard copy. We're giving away free hard wow. copies of the book until uh, September 10th, so a little, little more time here. But, yeah. uh, but you know, reality is, man, you can take a weekend on this and get pretty darn clear. And is it going to come to fruition over a weekend? Heck no. I mean, you could, you could figure out, you know, I'm, I'm meant to be a, a neurosurgeon. And, I mean, that's a 16-year transition before someone says, you know, hey, here's the scalpel. Go ahead and cut the brain. You know, right. so you know, reality is that it, it, some of these transitions are going to take a lot longer than others. But becoming clear on what your what is, if you're willing to put in the work, can happen quite quickly, especially when you've got a resource like my book. Okay, listen, gang, what is your what? Free book, whatisyourwhat.com, till September 10th, a hard copy. Grab it. Now, Steve, what is your what? <laughs> it's interesting, and i got to tell you, you know, is that if you go back to the three pieces of the puzzle, your, your gifts, the vehicle you use to share those gifts with the world, and the people you're most compelled to serve, my what, in terms of my gifts, and I believe everyone's gifts, are always going to be pretty consistent. My what, like yours, is communication. And mm -hmm. so that is absolutely the, the gift that I have. I have the gift of gab, the gift of writing, etc. But the vehicle that I use to share that gift and the people that I'm most compelled to serve, those, those pieces are, are tech, I mean, they're going to be fluid. It's going to be organic. They're going to change over time as your experiences change, as your perspective changes, etc., but for me, as you put the whole equation together, my what is really helping people who are seeking for that huge breakthrough in life to discover theirs. That's what my what is. And you said that once you find your what, that probably won't change. But the other two areas, the vehicles we use to get that what out there and the people that we want to serve, you're saying those are fluid and they can change. Can they change radically over your lifetime? 
Absolutely. And again, so the gifts I do believe are just hardwired into your DNA. You're naturally wired mm-hmm. to excel in a very specific way. But how you share those gifts, I mean, you can look at a guy like Michael Strahan, right, who used to play for the New York Giants. And sure. now he's on with, with uh, Kelly, right? Yep. And so you could say, you know, was his natural gift athletics? And then his vehicle was football, and the people he was most compelled to serve were football fans. Or could you argue that, in fact, his gift really was entertainment and football was the vehicle and then right. football fans were the people? But in this case, if entertainment was his true gift and is his true gift, and the vehicle now is television and the people, you know, obviously that's going to be folks that, that are going to be tuning into the various shows that he's on. So, yeah. you know, that's a perfect example of how those pieces can, can kind of flip-flop over time. Steve, we have a minute and a half left. I want to go through some other, what you could help us with for our listeners, what other type of natural gifts someone might have. So we've talked about communication could be a natural gift. Entertaining or entertainment could be a natural gift. What are some other natural gifts people might have? Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got teachers, people who are just natural-born teachers. Mm. You've got you've got healers, you know, people who, who take to things like acupuncture or, or massage therapy or or nursing, right? So they're just natural-born healers. Uh, as you said, you've got athletes, you've got entertainers, you've got communicators. Uh, you know, it's just, it, there's, in the book, there's, there's a list of about 60 of these types of people that we have found where you fall into one of those types of categories as, as, as you really hone in on what your gifts are. But, mm. yeah, I mean, we found that there's about 60 different titles wow. that really kind of encapsulate what someone's natural gifts are. If it's time for you, if you're sitting listening to this interview right now saying, I really want to find that path to my own happiness to create the life I've always wanted to, why I'm here, what am I compelled to do, grab a free copy of Steve's book. Go to whatisyourwhat.com. Get a free hard copy until September 9th. What is your what.com? Steve Olsher, author of What Is Your What? Discover the one amazing thing you were born to do. Steve, keep rocking and doing your work, man. We absolutely love it. Well, thanks, David. Really appreciate everything you're doing. Keep up the amazing work yourself, my man. Okay. Talk to you again soon. Sounds great. 1 800 548 What is your what? What is your what? Find it out. What is your what.com? This this area of life is one that a lot of people, as Steve was saying, we sort of discard. You know, we get wrapped up into the 40, 50-hour work week. We get wrapped up into the kids, into our social life. We get wrapped up into maybe addiction, and we don't even think about any of those things. And this is your time. If you're listening right now, if you have friends that could benefit, family members that could benefit, everyone should go to the website, whatisyourwhat.com, break through the monotony of life. Do you wake up week after week and go, oh, my God, I can't believe it's September, and then I can't believe it's December, and then I can't believe it's June, and then I can't believe it's September again? If you're going through that hamster wheel, the rat wheel of life, the rat maze of life, it's time to break out of it because we never know when it's all going to end and why not go out with a blast a bang happy joyful you're tuned into america's positive radio talk show next up your calls 1-800-548-TALK and your emails i'm david essel talkdavid.com stay right there she's nothing like a girl you've ever seen before nothing you can compare to your neighborhood i'm trying to find the words to describe this girl without being disrespectful 
Across the USA every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Hey, call us right now. You have a thought, you have a question. We're going to talk about stepmoms, stepdads. Oh, my goodness. We got an amazing email, and we'll get your help with that. Uh, and if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, we would love to take your call right now on love, health, weight loss, addiction recovery, money, career, you name it. We are here for you. 1-800-548-8255. Free coaching on the air. 1-800-548-8255. Call us. Here's the question. Uh, David, I'm a stepmom for two years for three kids, three years old, six and eight. I do love them as my own. I have no ability to discipline them, however, and they have few manners. My husband thinks it's fine. They're not bad kids, he always says. And if you discipline them, they will not like you and will live in hell, let them be. That's been his attitude. They never pick up after themselves. They speak rude to me in public. They ignore my request to help the younger one. We both work full time. I'm having second thoughts about this marriage. Should a stepmom have the ability to discipline the child or not? I would love to get your feedback and that of your listeners. What do you think? 1-800-548-8255. Have you been a stepmom or a stepdad? Or are you married and you have uh, a husband or a wife who is the stepmom or stepdad? And would you want them as your partner to discipline 1-800-548-8255 should the stepmom or dad have the right to discipline in this situation the the father dad the husband is saying hey look it just be a friend no need to rock the boat everything's fine after two years the husband still wants her just to be the friend does that work for you? Have you been a stepmom? Maybe you're a stepmom or a stepdad right now. What do you think about your role as the disciplinarian? Do you take a minor role? Do you take zero role? Do you take a full out role, an equal role with your partner? 1-800-548-8255. 1-800-548-8255. I would love to know what you think. And if you want to text us, Nine four one two six six seven six seven six nine four one two six six seven six seven six. If you want to text us or call us one eight hundred five four eight eight two five five. As a stepmom, as a stepdad, have you been one? Are you one? Did you take some form of a disciplinarian role? Did you take it, or did you back off? Were you? Did you feel like that you had a fifty percent? Part of the disciplinarian role, 75%, 100%, were you equal to your partner? If you're a biological mom or dad, would you want your partner, who would be the stepmom or dad, to have equal authority in disciplining your children? Would you want them to have half of the authority of disciplining your children or 25%? What do you think is correct here? one 800 548 
Should she step out, our, our listener, should she step out of the equation and just accept what her husband is saying? Should she let it all go? Should she fight for her right to discipline the children? Should she leave if her husband is saying, I don't want you to be a part of the disciplinarian? Would you leave in that case? Would you say, you know what? I can't stay in a marriage where the children treat me rude in public and I can't do anything about it? What is on your mind? 1-800-548-8255. We have some texts coming in right now. I'll get to. Our text is 941-266-7600. Seven six nine four one two six six seven six seven six. Peter texted just texted us in, saying that my former wife, who was a stepmom to my children, wanted nothing to do with disciplining them. She ended up leaving because I couldn't do it all on my own. So Peter's not a happy camper. Um, Mark just said, "I really think the parenting skills." should be a part of both parents, step-parent or not step-parent. It should be equal, 50-50. You know what's so hard about that, though, is that the stepmom or stepdad, especially originally when they walk into the relationship, it's very difficult for them to be 50-50. Do you know what I'm saying? The kids haven't learned about them yet. They don't trust them. There's not a lot of respect. I think down the road, Mark, it can be 50-50. I don't know if coming in off the bat and giving that responsibility is fair to anyone, quite frankly. It's almost like the stepmom or stepdad has to add, has to build the trust and faith and has to earn the respect of the kids. And then I would agree with you. Um, Ted, this is interesting. He said, you know what? The responsibility of discipline should be with the biological mother and father. The stepmom or stepdad really shouldn't have a lot of role in disciplining their children. Wow. Wow. Do you agree with that? That is tough for me to believe, Ted. 1-800-548-TALK. 1-800-548-TALK. Ted sounds like the uh, husband of the woman that wrote to us. I'm not sure if I can agree with that, that the stepmom or stepdad has very little role in disciplining the children if they're living there full time. That doesn't make sense to me, Ted. It really doesn't. What do you think about this, gang? Do you believe that that the, the step-parent should have equal role in disciplining the child? Do you think that they should have 25% of the role? Should it be 50-50? Should it be 25%? What is your thought on this? Have you been or are you currently a stepmom or stepdad? If you're a biological mom or dad, do you believe that the your partner, who is the stepmom or dad, should have an equal role in disciplinarian as the disciplinarian? Michael just wrote in and said, I have been a stepdad for 10 years, and it's been an uphill battle all the way because my wife does not support my role as a disciplinarian. She is very lax with her children and believes I should be, too. It's a real stressor. And see, I think it is, too. I I really I don't know if I can say it should be a 50-50 deal. I'm not quite sure about that. I'm really not sure 
if it should be a 50-50 deal. I think ultimately it would be awesome, but I think that's going to create a lot of anxiety within a household in the beginning. The children earning trust could take a year or longer, and we're not even talking about the other biological parent that doesn't live there anymore. We're not even going to talk about their role in the disciplinarian. Um, Matthew just wrote in and said 50-50 is the ideal for the step-parent and the biological parent, and it can happen with counseling from the outside, but rarely by ourselves. It worked for us, and we're really happy. I think that that makes so much sense. In in the work that we do, every once in a while, I'm not going to say it happens very often, we work with stepmoms and stepdads, integrating them into the family. And in all the cases, we have to do a very structured, organized plan. In other words, that this week, the biological parent is going to sit and discipline the child on a specific task. The next week, the stepmom or dad will do it with the biological parent sitting there agreeing with the stepmom and dad. And this is the way we've done it forever. Ever since we started coaching, we've done it this way, where that if the, if the biological mom or dad does not support in front of the children, the stepmoms or the stepdads disciplinary opportunities, then it's never going to work. Our toll-free number, 1-800-548-8255. More emails, more texts, more responses coming next. 1-800-548-8255. We're getting blown up here, guys. I'm David Essels. Stay right there. Back. This is the moment, tonight is the night We'll fight till it's over So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us Like the ceiling can hold us Can we go back? This is the moment, tonight is the night Every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific You're tuned in to America's Positive Radio Talk Show David Essel Live, welcome aboard gang Thank you so much for hanging out with us as we explore life and happiness and love and everything in between, 1-800-548-8255. Going back to your emails, this one is about binge eating. I see my wife becoming a binge eater. She will eat under stress, which she has a lot of. I do not see the stress going away for a while. I know she hides food, and she stops at fast food restaurants daily. Should I say something to her? She has gained 30 pounds in the last year. Being concerned is an understatement. You know, binge eating, I I guess I'm going to reverse the question and say if she was using alcohol as her escape route, would you say something to her? If she was using heroin as an escape route, would you say something to her? You know, it's like food is an addiction, Binge eating is an addiction, just like alcohol and heroin. So if you say, well, of course, if my wife was abusing alcohol, I would say something to her. Of course, if she was abusing heroin, I would say something to her. And food is a drug. Food is an absolute drug. And people use it as a drug to escape emotions of sadness and anxiety Anger, resentments. We use food just like we use nicotine, alcohol, heroin, Xanax, clonazepam. The list goes on and on and on. Sex, spending, power, greed, whatever. Right? We use it constantly as a food. 
constantly, constantly, constantly. So I would say whatever you're doing in keeping this to yourself is not helping. It's not working at all. The only way that you're going to be able to help your wife is to go ahead and to, I hate to use the word confront her, I hate to use the word confront her, but you're going to have to. You're going to have to call her out and say, honey, you know what? This issue is bigger than you and I. It happens to be food, but I couldn't see you. I couldn't watch you kill yourself with alcohol or heroin, and I can't see you doing here. You've gained 30 pounds in the last year. We need to get help. Don't take it upon yourself to cure her, heal her. Don't become the disciplinarian. Don't become any of that. Don't become any of that at all. Just go ahead and tell her that we need to go get help and see if she'll go along with you. She's, she knows she's gained 30 pounds. She knows she's hiding foods. If you have to bring out the seven, eight, ten wrappers, bring it out. It's just like the person that says, you know, I found the vodka bottles back here or I found the receipt for all this wine. I found whatever it might be that you have to have as proof. Confront the addict in a loving way, though, with constructive ideas in order to help them. But don't let someone take food as a drug. Don't let someone take food as a drug and then just sort of let it go. Because, you know, a lot of us are really afraid to speak honestly in our relationships. Do you know what I'm saying? We're so afraid of rejection. We're afraid of our partner getting upset. And so we might say one or two things some time to time, and then all of a sudden we go, you know what, I just can't go there anymore because he gets so upset with me, she gets so upset with me. But you cannot let this lion just stay in the hiding. You've got to pull it out. And many times people who are addicted to food, nicotine, alcohol, drugs, will fight you like the dickens saying that it's not true because they're in denial. It's a tough place to be. If you're really lost and if you try things that don't work – Contact your local addiction recovery treatment centers. Contact someone like myself, an addiction counseling expert. I've been doing this for 20-plus years, and we help people work through this. We become the mediator many times in helping family members communicate when there's an addiction to anything. And you just don't want your wife carrying more weight, gaining more weight, self-esteem goes down, health issues come up, and obviously there's a huge rift between you two. 1-800-548-8255. Uh, I listened to a show archived on your site about a guest that you had on several months ago regarding being great. You asked him about what he would do to, oh, yeah, to help the three Ohio teens who were kidnapped and raped for 10 years. I remember this interview. Um, Daniel Gutierrez was the author. Uh, I think I would want an immediate revenge I'm a woman, 26, and all I could think about is revenge. What is your take? That is so natural. Oh, my God. First of all, I would not blame someone who was abused at that level that those three teens were for 10 years. I would never blame someone for wanting revenge. I might want to help them work through that, but I would not blame you or anyone else that had been tortured like that to want to gain revenge. Absolutely. I would actually, if I was working, and the question is, what would you do to help these teens? Number one is I would work with them and help them to talk about the revenge. In a, in a very professional setting, what would you like to see to the, done to this man that harmed you for so long? What is your anger? What are your resentments? What is it about this whole situation that you have this gnawing desire to have him 
killed, to have him put away for life, to have, in other words, I would delve into their psyche about what it is they think justice, how it should be served. And then through the process of writing, we have certain exercises. We help people go through grief recovery and trauma, uh, traumatization recovery. We ask them to go through and do serious uh, exercises from a written form because verbal communication, verbal counseling is only effective to a certain degree. In the beginning, it's probably all that we would do. But after the counselor has gained the trust and the faith, of someone who's gone through this type of trauma, we then get them to start writing about the experiences and writing about their anger and writing about, and sometimes they have guilt that they didn't do anything prior to. They didn't try to escape enough times. Sometimes they have all kinds of shame for what they did. Even though they were out of control, it wasn't in their control. They have shame about what happened sexually. So we get them to emote all of these different emotions to begin the healing process. And as they do that, down the road, never early in this process, but way down the road, we would then start to walk in to the concept of forgiveness. But we do not jump the process. And what that means is is that a lot of well-meaning people would say, well, you know, forgiveness is the answer, and let's just forgive him for fill in the blank. And some of these atrocious things that happen to people, we cannot ask them to come anywhere near forgiveness for quite a long time. And that's just the fact. If you jump the process, the forgiveness will be shallow, it'll be short-lived, and underneath it, the anger and the resentments will build and build and build and come out in a myriad of ways, from addiction to low self-esteem to everything that you can imagine. one 800 and my prayers go out still, to those three teens, I haven't seen anything in the news in a long time about them and how they're doing and what they've gone through. So let's just pray that that they're on a, a path of recovery. One eight hundred five four eight eight two five five. One eight hundred five four eight eight two five five. My attitude is in the gutter. My girlfriend thinks it's my lifestyle. I drink some, usually daily, but not too much. I do not exercise. I have no time. I earn a lot of money. We live very well, but I'm surely not happy. Okay, so listen to this. Exercise releases endorphins in the brain, which creates a sense of connection. It creates a sense of well-being. It creates a sense of happiness. So the very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage you to, even if it was walking for 30 minutes a day, you're going to have to find the time to walk 30 minutes a day. Okay, that's number one. Number two, alcohol is a depressant. And even at one or two drinks a day, to the person that's in a depressed attitude, and you say your attitude is in the gutter, one or two drinks a day, because it's a depressant, could actually help keep you there or bury you even further. Um, there's exercises like meditation and yoga that are great for people that struggle with attitude. They really, really are amazing. And then last thing, and we've talked about this a ton on the show, watch what you listen to. Take a look at the TV that's on. What are you reading on a daily basis? What are you reading on a daily basis? What is it that you're listening to? What is it that you're watching? Because all of those things can keep your mind and attitude in the gutter. Clean it up. You know what? Your girlfriend is dead right. It is your lifestyle. And if you can't take control of your lifestyle, then you'll never get control of your attitude. It's not easy 
but it's simple. Do you know what I'm saying? Changing our lifestyle isn't easy, but the changes can be really simple to have a very profound effect. Listen, for the next seven days until we're with you again, go after everything that you desire. Be bold, be strong, be positive. Get our free book, The Power of Focus, at talkdavid.com. Go there and join our Life Mastery course. Get involved with changing your own life. And I know between now and then when we come back, your attitude will be better too. I'm David Essel. Have a great week.